This episode is sponsored by goodboycreative.co, a boutique marketing agency based out of Canada that gives your brand that extra dimension of intelligence and creativity. From content strategy and SEO plus SEM to social content of all kinds to brand identity, even web design and UX UI, Good Boy Creative has you covered. Check them out now at goodboycreative.co backslash Big self. That's goodboycreative.co backslash big self. The world around us is changing faster than ever. We hear people say, everything's a blur. And when we're living in our little self, a self in survival mode, a self that's living out what others believe we should do or who we should be, we compromise our joy. We put limits on ourselves and how we show up day in and day out. We believe we all have a big self and pursuing it is holy work. We also believe that most of us let fear persuade us not to pay attention to it. So we stay in this vicious cycle between fear and entrapment that keeps us playing small. But when we combine an insatiable curiosity to know our true self with the courage to share our innate gifts with the world, we get closer and closer to our big self. With a PhD in human services and an MA in educational leadership, Dr. Heather Penny is uniquely positioned to help leaders and teams find their shared vision, develop confidence in their roles, and take action to achieve the success and the lives they were made for. She is fun and engaging and has a clear, authentic message for how to truly aspire to living a more intentional life, one where we choose what we want to invite in and what we choose to reject and keep out. Heather Penny, welcome to the Big Self Show. Thank you, Chad. It's so good to be here. Well, it is so good to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. And as we hit hit off many of our conversations here on season five, we like to ask our guests, what first comes to mind to you when you hear of the expression or just the 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 term big self i absolutely love it i got to listen to your show and i just love the work that you're doing so i've got a lot of thoughts on it but i'm going to try to be succinct for you chad <laughs> <laughs> whatever you need to do okay all right well i think for me it's such a great question to be asking me now because i am in the middle of reading this book called immortal diamond by richard rohr and it's this basic premise of the fact that we all live with a false self and a true self. False self is like the poser, you know, where we are addicted to the highs of, of um, image and ego and all that stuff. And the true self is really one a place of peace where we know exactly who we are and what we need. And we live with this incredible sense of clarity. The goal, again, as we age is how to get to that true self, but don't shame the false self for heaven's sakes. We're all trying to get through life and make it and make it work, right? So I think when I think about the big self, I want to say we honor the false self, but really as we age, I'm in my 50s now, 
how we start bringing out more and more of that true self and less of that false self that is ego motivated and kind of self-centered and, and nervous and scared and insecure all the time. And how do we live in that true self that is just really at peace and has learned to love themselves and really um, understand the role they get to play in this world and really the life that they're made for and how they get to live it. Woo, that was good. I, I, I love, love us some Richard Rohr too. And yes, I, you know, am coming to the end of just my very first year being in my 50s and have been doing some of that very work. You're right. You can't, you don't just kill the ego. It's yeah. it's serving its purpose. Um, but yes, the more we can access that mm -hmm. truer, bigger self, um, the better. And I think for, for our own uh, clarity and being able to live in this more confident space, mm -hmm. um, you know, so you've got uh, a, a fantastic book, the life you're made for. And, you know, like you, like, like we often do, you talk about how to move from surviving to thriving in life mm -hmm. and business. And you set the stage pretty clearly where, you know, we get into this grind and we wake up, we go to work, uh, spend a little time with family, uh, rinse and repeat. And before we know it, we fall into this trap of feeling stuck and just kind of doing what we have to do to get through the day and not what is feeding that truer, bigger self. And in your book, you, you kind of outline it. So do you, mm -hmm. could you just like be, walk us through these, these mm -hmm. three simple steps that anyone can do to, uh, to follow intentionally and to move from this idea of surviving to more of thriving? Yes, I would love to. I, it makes me think of a conversation I was just having this morning. I actually have my own podcast show. And so I was hosting a guest and it was on the three C's, clarity, confidence, and courage. Mm -hmm. And the way we got synced up is she had me on her show. And I told her about this idea of three C journaling. And it's what I use with all my clients. I've been coaching for over 15 years. And I began to realize people and humans need a practice or discipline to cultivate their clarity and increase their confidence and really engage their courage. Most of us don't know we can do that, first of all. And then most of us don't know how to do it. But we all like the idea of having more clarity, confidence, and courage. My goal as a, as a coach and really my, my um, career started out as a teacher is really to step into that space and make it super practical and applicable for you to be able to walk away and go, I know exactly how to grow my clarity, confidence, courage. So I'm going to just get really practical for your listeners. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Give yeah. away some free coaching a little bit today, but <laughs> it's this idea of clarity has everything to do with what you're seeing and what you're feeling. So for instance, um, I'm on a sabbatical right now, which I'm loving, but I'm really nurturing my clarity by pulling back and I'm asking myself, what's next? What's next? What's next? What, what feels like I want to let go of that I don't want anymore in my companies I run? And what is it that I want to build more of? Where is it that I'm having more energy and more joy? So that's a question I'm asking myself. And I would just sit down and just write a couple sentences on that. If I really want to cultivate that, I would just do that every day. So what's my clarity for today around this idea of what's next for me? The confidence okay. in peace is all about beliefs. What am I believing around that? So I'm going to use myself as an example. What's next for me? I'm in a really cool uh, crossroad in my uh, company and everything has grown and I'm getting ready to launch my fourth book, but I can't do everything that I want to do and want to say yes to. So I'm having yeah. to whittle it down and be able to let go of things so that I can do that what's next. 
the confidence piece has to do all about my beliefs. What am I believing about this? And this is where I kind of thread out the false beliefs and the true beliefs. The false beliefs are really limiting us and they're connected to our false self, ironically. So if we want to really live in our big self, we want to step into what those false beliefs are and sync it with true beliefs. So for instance, a false belief that could be kind of haunting me a little bit right now is you can't slow down because you'll fall behind. Or you can't let go of something because it might you might miss an opportunity. These are common false beliefs those of us who are high achievers live with on a daily basis. So being able to reach in for a true belief that is something like, I'm being led and guided. I get to be motivated out of peace, not anxiety. That's where I move then into that confidence space that has everything to do with my belief system. Courage then is the last piece, which is all about action steps. So I'm going to get real practical. It happened to me yesterday. I'm in the middle of saying, what's next? And I'm realizing I want to do more conferences. And I want to do conferences that I'm designing around three Cs, clarity, confidence, and courage. And I got to do one this last year. And it was really a great success. And I realized this is what I'm made for. <laughs> and you know, I wrote the book, <laughs> The Life You're Made For. So yeah. I'm realizing this is what I'm made for. We're always asking that question and refining that as we age. The confidence piece was, well, what are the false beliefs around that? Uh, maybe no one will come. Maybe people don't want it. Maybe it's not as good as I think it is, right? These are kind of (laughs) rattling around. What I'm then stepping into a true belief that says, no, I get to step into this and who is hungry for it will be there. Then the courage piece is to take action. So literally I sat down with a colleague. She's an executive director of a nonprofit. And I said, hey, I've got this idea. I'm kind of noodling on. I want to do this conference in the area. What do you think? So taking action is stepping into those, creating action steps around your clarity and your confidence. And I just had the meeting yesterday. It was a phenomenal meeting. She's like, that's exactly what I think we need. I want to partner with you. I want to be, I want to bring all of my nonprofit resources to support this project, which is exactly what I needed. I'm like a single entrepreneur. And I go, well, I need to work with an organization if I want to pull this off, but I need to make sure that we're syncing up on the vision. So that kind of gives you an example of just how I live personally with clarity, confidence, and courage and everything that I talk about and coach on is stuff I've tried out of myself first because I know what it feels like to be stuck. I know what it feels like to be insecure. I know what it feels like to be unsure and to want to venture out. And I also know what it feels like to really epically fail flat on my face (laughs) and not let it take me out. So yeah, hopefully that'll help you is I got to put it out there and help your listeners feel like they too can access their own internal clarity, confidence, and courage. Well, I, I love that. And I love the way that what is besides your authenticity is we, we do try to say that like when you're operating out of say a big self, that it doesn't mean you're retreating from the world in in like a spiritual hermitage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, some people may need to do that, but some of the biggest activators that we can imagine in the world they they were accessing that bigger self in order to go and make a difference in the world. So you're you're talking about taking practical action out of a vulnerability of yeah, you're you're assessing master, you're thinking of your master assessments, your beliefs, and you're you're dissecting. I like that. Um mm-hmm. kind of practicing what you what you preach. Yeah. Um so you know, like. A lot of times though, when we feel stressed about maybe yeah. something at work, it's hard to think clearly. Um, and we know that we're we're feeling defended mm-hmm. and our brains kind of 
maybe shutting things down. If we weren't defensive, then maybe we'd be able to uh, open up and and not struggle. And, you know, so this idea of vulnerability and this idea of being armored, how do how do you help coach people to recognize this idea of, I mean, there's a reason why we feel mm-hmm. defensive mm-hmm. and in, in the workplace and when trying to mm-hmm. do different things like you've been talking about. How do you get people, how do you get them to open up and make these distinctions in their lives so they can be more authentic and live bigger? Well, that's a really big question, Chad, <laughs> but I'm going to tackle it because I'm up for yes. the challenge. But it makes me, I think what'll be easiest is to answer is a, client conversation that comes to mind several months ago, where this is a president of an organization. And uh, she came to me saying, yeah, I don't think I'm a good um, communicator, a good public speaker. Well, that was her clarity. And I want to say, okay, great. That's where we start. Mm-hmm. So she said, could you coach me and teach me more on public speaking? And I said, I'd love to, but I'd like to go into your confidence space, which is what you believe. What is it you've been told about your communication and your speaking? She goes, that I'm terrible and that I speak too fast and that I, I don't know how to do it well. And I said, okay, I can give you all the tips and the techniques in the world. And I am a you know public speaker and I've taught at the faculty level in, in university, but I know where transformation lies and that's at the gut and the heart level. So mm-hmm. I said, let me go after that belief that I believe there's a false belief here that says you can't communicate well. What I've observed of you is that you're an amazing communicator, but I think you're you're walking up to that platform with that false belief. Can I recommend an, another belief? It was a whole mind blow concept for her, but it was allowing her to start saying, I didn't realize I could change my belief about me. And I said, yeah, once you change then a belief about yourself. So let's reach for a true belief, something like I am a, I am a gifted communicator. I just haven't been able to practice which is you can see where it's not all rainbows and unicorns. Like I'm an amazing communicator, period. Like, no, that doesn't feel very good. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel authentic. And it feels like we're just setting ourselves up for a face plant. What I try and say is give yourself a space to learn and grow, which is, I don't, I think I could be a good communicator. I've just never tried it. I've never believed that about myself. So as we reached for that true belief, I had to do very little coaching with her on how to communicate. She ended up getting up and speaking. Now she does it professionally. And this was years ago when I was working with her, but she does it professionally. I don't even have to coach her. I used to kind of coach her through her speeches and I don't coach her with any of it because I just, all I ask her is like, well, what, what is your belief that you're getting up in front of this audience? What's your audience like? And what's the belief you're taking up there? Once she shifts into that true belief of, I don't know now, but I, I'll know when I'm up there or I'll know how to prepare for this, or I don't need to over-prepare for this. Whatever it is, it's kind of noodling and pulling on that anxiety. I want to go after that so that she can step up there with her clarity, confidence. And then the courage is just simply go and step up and do it. You know, some leaders I work with or individuals I work with, they've got all the clarity, confidence in the world, but I go, you're not, you're refusing to step forward. You're refusing to set an action step. We've worked around all your belief systems around public speaking and yet you won't take that um, um, engagement to go actually public speak and you keep declining or you keep avoiding or you keep handing it off to another person in the in your cor- in your corporation. You're not stepping into that space. So courage is that place where you really take action. Here, and then here's the really exciting piece. It only takes once. And think about okay. how long you live with these false beliefs. 20 years, you know, I've heard that 
public speaking is one of the biggest fears, even over getting eaten by sharks. And <laughs> isn't that funny? I know. But what if you actually, it was just a belief system and then you actually moved into your belief system and let yourself grow and learn and then gave yourself the chance to do it. It only takes one success to counter years and years of those false beliefs. So, and that's where I'm always rooting for my clients. And even um, as a person of faith, I'm like, oh God, please, <laughs> we'll have to be successful. This. So when she got up with her first speech to go and do her with her true belief, I was like, oh, please let her be successful. And it, it's not always that way. You know, sometimes they have a fail and I have to come back and say, we get to learn from our, our failures. We get to learn from right. our mistakes. But for this, this instance, she was an epic success. She had prepared well. She went in with the true belief. And then when she stepped into that um, courage space of saying, well, I'm going to go do it and I'm prepared. And she went in with her true belief. She was a really epic success. I didn't have to then work with her. That exponentially grows at a pace that it shocks us as humans, particularly when we've lived in the space of a false belief for so long. So as we look at this idea, I'm going to sink it back to your show, the big self, as we look at the big self, making sure that we really are grabbing on to those true beliefs so that it's allowing us to really transcend and transform and change into the potential that we know deep down that we have, or we hope that we have. Transformation yes. coaching, getting them to assess uh, their false beliefs. Yep. Yep. You okay. got it. Yeah. And that's what we, we love that too. I, I take the approach of transformation coaching for lack of a, a better word, as opposed to transactional, because it is, it's that deep self work that's going to produce just this ongoing stuff. It's, it's their work to do. And while we're, we have to admit that we're cheering for them, we're supposed to remain as neutral as possible and let it be. be yes. Theirs. Yes. And if I can add on to that, Chad, yeah. it's their clarity, not mine, not mm -hmm. yours. It's their clarity. Mm -hmm. It's their confidence and it's their courage. So you're right on. We try and be this gentle guide because it's sacred space when a human being is trying to transform. We don't want them to be like us. We don't want to be their big gurus. We don't want them to make, we don't want to create little mini me's out there. We don't. That's only going to stroke the ego or the false self. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is saying, I don't know what's blocking the sphere of public speaking, for instance, but I'm going to stay in this space with you see so till you understand it. And I and I'll even say I went a little further saying, where did you get this understanding that you were a bad public speaker? And she began to tell me these hard stories. And I go, wow, you got named by these people that sounds like they were either threatened by you or they didn't understand your full potential. But it's not what I see. And then I'll be blunt. Every human is made to be a communicator. I think one of the false beliefs is that I can't communicate. I'm like, yes, you can. You just got to find your own style and I'll stay in it with you until you figure out what that style is that makes you feel super comfortable. I know you work with, it's an epic, burnout's an epidemic. You work with people who burn out. You, I don't know if you even have your own burnout story, um, but you talk about um, overwork being unsustainable and not a way that we can live our lives. How do we determine within ourselves? Are we overworking? I mean, yes. we want to be, <laughs> be doing enough. We want to have an impact. We want, we have dreams and ambitions. Yes. So how yes, do we we're overworking. Yeah. We're overworking and all my fingers are pointing back. So there's no judgment when I say that, but we are overworking. <laughs> 
And that's the reason why I took a sabbatical for these next couple of weeks. But Mm -hmm. I think the easiest way to explain this is this, what I do when I do a lot of keynotes, I want to just use this allegory because once I can tell you this allegory story sticks with us, but it's, it's in my book and I actually have a picture book on it as well, but it's about this little girl who she's given a bracelet when she's really young. And what happens is she grows, she's given more and more bracelets over the years, which prevents her from playing on her tire swing, which she absolutely loves. It sets her free. And what prevents her from taking time under the stars to really hear about her true self. So in that process, she begins to lose her sense of self and she's got bracelets piled up next, you know, up to her shoulders <laughs> and she can't move and she can't do what she really is called to do, but she's in the middle of balancing her bracelets. This has been such a powerful allegory for even my clients. They'll jump on the line. They'll say, Heather, I need help with my bracelets today because here's the world we live in. <laughs> There's no good and bad anymore. There's like bracelets are neither good or bad. Like my two kids and my marriage of 30 years, those are three bracelets. But I want them and I chose them and I want to invest in them. My career, my company, that's another bracelet. And then all the facets of how I grow it. But all these other things start adding up until pretty soon. You can only do so much. So it's not about taking off all your bracelets and to your point earlier of running off to hermitage. (laughs) We got (laughs) adult in this life, but it's a learning how to balance those bracelets and then recognizing I'm going to take a couple off. And I'm going to go find my tire swing, which is represents a restorative rest that refuels you like mm-hmm. gardening, hiking. Um, it doesn't even have to be active, you know, lying on the couch, the great novel, whatever. But it's something that's allowing you to refuel and what you'd love to do. And then t- spending time under the stars is about really hearing that voice on the wind. If you're a person of faith, that might be God. If you're someone that doesn't connect with a faith, it could be love. It could be light. It could be your true self. I mean, it's that essence of, I think I'm not living the life I want. I think I'm made for more. (laughs) I think I want to stop long enough to actually pay attention to that. And that's what we call a contemplative rest. So that tire swing is an active rest and a contemplative rest. And every human needs both. Does that help? Find find your tire swing. That's exactly right. That's why I tell everyone, find your tire swing. And I get pictures sent to my phone from all over the world of just here's my tire swing, here's my tire swing. And I'm like, I love it. And I always shocks because everybody's tire swing is so unique. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. You, you know, um, and so what is, is this, the, is this part of your, the way that you live a life of intentionality? The, this idea yeah. of like what you choose to invite in and, and, and reject. Yeah. Um, do you say that you do this before every practice you, you yes. ask yourself, what you know what you're wanting to invite in and reject how does that go how do you how do you make these difficult choices oh i love it okay i'm going to i'm going to give you a couple examples i did an executive retreat um a couple months ago and before i even start the retreat and it was for 3 days i say okay everybody what are we going to invite in mm. at first everyone's like what what's she talking about you know but i began to give examples um clarity of course, clarity, confidence, courage, those are three things I'm always inviting in. So as I start giving that, boy, the creativity in the room just swells. And what it does is it creates that space where they're owning it with you. So they're inviting in um, clear communication, vision, discernment, kindness, empathy. It's what people are longing for, but I'm giving them the space to ask it. Then I say, okay, what are we going to reject? Chaos, confusion, lack of direction, defensiveness. I mean, I've heard it all. 
but it helps create that space and helps everybody own it. So I do it in groups. I even did it in a keynote just for fun to say, I'm going to try this as a keynote and see what happens. And everyone was at tables and they did a phenomenal job of kind of yelling out where again, within two minutes, the whole room created the space they wanted with people engaging and, and, and participating in it. And of course, my talk was on, you have the power to invite in and reject. But what I got to do is model it and say, look at that. You just heard that person in that table and that over there say this. How much do we resonate with that? And did we realize that we're all in this together? Let's say it out loud. And then let's be as clear of what we're inviting. In. Let's start being as clear of what we're going to reject and what we don't want to allow in the space together. And for the, and that one was a really powerful one. It was with nonprofits who were all focused on at-risk um, child abuse um, at-risk children and child abuse and foster and adoptive care. So we had, I think, at least 60 nonprofits in the room. And to hear them you, you just united as a wave to say, this is what we're standing for. And then this is what we're rejecting. That was such, I mean, it gives me chills just talking about it because yeah, I got to be a powerful. part of that. And that then transferred over to your personal life. I want to say every space you show up in, whether you're going to Starbucks and getting a coffee or whether you're managing your house or yeah. your roommates or your place of work, wherever you're at, to be intentional enough to say, I want to bring in, what do I want to bring in today? Maybe joy. <laughs> what do I want to reject? Yeah. I want to that, reject, you know. That's so proactive. I, I, yes. I, I, I love this. I, I, yeah. I want to, it makes me want to be a little bit more intentional and it gives, it feels empowering. Just thinking Doesn't about it? it. It's like, I have this choice. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. That really reverberates. I, I really dig that. Well, let's, let's think about um, this idea. You talk about, I've, I've heard you talk about, I think it's on your podcast about how you gave an anecdote of I don't know if it was a voicemail or an email, but you 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 sent it to five people. You meant oh, to gosh. send it to two. Yes. And <laughs> oh, shoot. You heard that one? <laughs> you, you talked about, you talked about, um, you began to go down a shame spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you, you, you kind of regathered yourself and tell us about this kind of thing, like handling a difficult conversation and. Yeah. I don't know, like the experience of having a shame spiral. You also talk about spiraling up out of anxiety. Yep. Could you could you talk a little bit yeah. about that? Oh, I'd love to. And again, for my listeners, just to give you handles for this, let's use the three C's. So yeah. I'll give context for what I did. It was a, it was one of those epic fails as an owner of my company. I was in the middle of hiring lots of different people. I'm launched, I was launching my um book and I an e-course and we had some people on my team that I wasn't, I want to, I don't want to say that they weren't doing their job. I want to say, do we need more on our team? Should I replace some of these people? I mean, it's just these Ooh. questions you're asking as an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I called two of my leadership team people and I was processing. And I said, okay, I just got off this interview. So I was interviewing that week. I got off this interview. Here's how it went. So I, and then I finished and I kind of went through the whole thing. I was probably, I have this tendency to do a voice text. It was like, and it wasn't a text. It was an actual voice uh, mail or voice call on the phone. Right. So I'm sitting there okay. talking to my phone and processing it all. It was probably a, a good eight minute voicemail. And then I um, said, okay, so that's great. Just call me back. If you have any questions, all of a sudden I'm on my phone with, actually, I still remember I was talking to my daughter and I was like, no, nope, nobody interrupts me when I'm talking to my kids. So I was talking to my daughter and my phone just started buzzing with my two members from my leadership team. And then finally, one of them texted me, said, have 
you sent it to everybody. And all of a sudden I could feel this pit in my stomach. And I was like, uh, honey, I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> Mom did something really scary. And I can feel that awful gut punch. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. here's where I want to step in. And this is where I want to use the clarity piece. You want to be clear of exactly what you did so that you can take full responsibility for it. I'm not saying deny it and act like it's rainbows and unicorns out there. What we're doing is saying, I flubbed up bad and I can feel myself wanting to go and hide under the covers and, or act like I didn't do it or something right. really stupid, right? Like, oh, was that me? You know, <laughs> me, you know? Count. I don't know. I know. I'm not sure that was my point. You know, all these stupid things we do to go hide and put our head in the sands and we've all done it, myself included. I could feel that pull. I knew that I could not, I could feel the shame spiral starting to happen where I'm a terrible leader. I suck as a person. I really blew it. How will they ever forgive me? I broke all the trust. How will I recover from this? I mean, this is my shame spiral. And the the more creative you are, the more creative your, your shame spiral gets. And I'm a very creative person. So I'm like, oh, this is getting terrible. I couldn't even spiral up. So I quickly called one of my leadership team and I just said, hey, I am feeling terrible what I did and I'm shame spiraling and I need you to help me. And she just was wonderful. She goes, hey, it's going to be okay. These are amazing people. All you need to do is step into the conversation, call them back and own it. And then I said, can you help me remind me what I said? Like, what do I need to apologize for? The cool thing is, this may this be a lesson for everybody. Don't ever trash talk because you never know. Fortunately, I didn't do any trash talking. It was just them hearing me process something that really wasn't, I'm sure it didn't feel good to hear them process me, you know, about their job, whether I was going to still keep them or not, you know? So I just thought I'm going to step right into it. And this is where I had so much respect for the individual that I did this to. She immediately reached out to me and she's like, Heather, we just need a conversation and it's going to be okay. She already knew that I was feeling terrible. You talk about giving me grace. She already knew I was just feeling terrible. So I immediately picked up the phone because I'm like, I'm not even going to try and handle this over text or email. I said, and she immediately picked up again. She didn't avoid me. So that here's what happened then is that told me that there was trust there. And I stepped into it and I just owned it fully. So my true belief really was Mm -hmm. I can own this and I can ask for forgiveness and I get to use trust. I, it will build my trust, not break my trust. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, yes. That's really good stuff. And I think it leads to in the workplace, uh, just let's talk about like difficult conversations, you know, yeah. like um, I've, we've worked with a lot of leaders who mm-hmm. it's, di- it's different. You know, I think we're very familiar with, with the, the examples of people who, uh, don't like to receive uh, difficult feedback, but it can also be very hard to give difficult feedback. So I don't know what, how do you work with people to recognize like this is the cur- courage, clear and courageous way to move forward in a constructive way yeah. to even if you're not. So you, in your example here, you guys were able to have grace and you, you came to some reconciliation and, and understood each other. But what about the times where like the feedback may, you may not even be in complete agreement, but you still have to have the conversation. Yes. And I would even say with this example, 
we didn't come, we didn't stay on the same page. What I oh. had to own is I'm sorry that you had to hear it this way, uh-huh. but now that you've heard it, I need to talk about some things that I'm not sure about. And okay. I want to have that professional conversation. So I owned it and I apologized for it. And she was wonderful with it. And then I stepped in the conversation and said, here's what I think is some hard things that I have not been able to say. And I want to be able to say them. And then on top <laughs> of that, because you've heard this, I'm not going to guarantee that we are going to continue a working relationship with together. And you might as well know it now. I am interviewing. You've already you had to find uh-huh. out the hard way. And again, I'll apologize for the fact that you had to find out that way. I but see. here's where we're still at. So I don't want to say that it had this amazing, happy ending of like, we're all hugging it out and we're best friends. It was <laughs> me owning it, but then step into that space that says, let me be super honest as a businesswoman. Let me tell you what it is I'm thinking. Since you've got had to hear it that way, I might as well just be transparent. So as we step into these difficult conversations in our places of work, I tell people all the time, first of all, have you earned the right to step into that space? Is there enough in your relational, think about it as a relational uh, account. Is there enough in your relational account that you've built trust with them? So those difficult conversations is a, is a withdrawal. So you want to first ask, have I earned the right to step into it? Have I built into this relationship? Have I talked with this person? Do they believe in my who I am? You always want to assess that. The second thing you want to do is step in and say, <clears throat> I want to say this and it's going to be hard, but I'm saying this because I care. So you communicate your good intent. I always tell people, lead with that good intent. It, mm-hmm. I have to have hard conversations all day long. What I have learned is people don't hire me to make them just feel fluffy and good. <laughs> people <laughs> hire me to ha- tell them the hard truth. So I've had to get really good with the hard truth, which comes from a place of really love, grace, care. And I'll say, okay, I'm going, and I'll do humor. I'm going to hold you accountable to this because this is what you're paying me to do. But you said you're going to do, you said you were going to do this and you didn't. Now I don't sit there and shame them that they didn't do it. I said, help me understand why you didn't do it. And please, please know that I'm bringing this up not to make you feel bad, but I'm bringing this up because I care. So you're constantly giving the content and the context of why you're bringing something up. And if you can't do it from a good space, don't bring it up. That's what I tell you. Like if you if you're bringing it up out of revenge or retaliation or to put them in their place or to shame them or guilt them, that's not a good reason to bring it up. So when we lead with good intent, it makes us really say, "Why am I bringing this up?" Yeah. Okay, now how do I articulate that? Then I can have the hard conversation because I have put in deposits into the relational trust account, and I'm saying, "So I love that reminder yeah. of leading with uh, because I I care." Like yeah. there, there can be a lot, you know, somebody could be, you, you could be getting someone to work on your team that you don't really trust. They'll be able to do everything. And you have to be able to say to them, I don't think you'll be able to execute mm-hmm. on this. And you have to come at it from a, from a um, position of caring. You're right. That is uh, really, that's really useful and, and helpful. Uh, your framework is really useful and helpful. The the Heather, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, I can tell we could just talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, uh, can we? <laughs> um, but the the book is the life you're made for. We're gonna put this in our show notes and uh, celebrate it with you. 
it is really good to meet you. I uh, love your energy and ideas, Heather. Um, let's let's stay in touch and um, and just keep uh, keep doing this good work. I love it. Thanks, Chad. Thanks for the opportunity of just getting on here and sharing with your listeners. It's a real honor for me to be able to just reach new spaces. We are all about big ideas and how to integrate them to live a more sustainable life, to open up your learning, level up your self-awareness and consciousness, and move from surviving to thriving to flourishing. And I think what Heather Penny is saying is that checking in with ourselves on a regular basis about what we invite in and choose to keep out is vital. It helps us to realize that we are in control of our experiences and not just in a state of having to passively accept circumstances. Her framework of clarity, confidence, and courage is super helpful in an ongoing, simple way of determining what we want and then how to act on those clarified beliefs. Also, what are our beliefs? What are these stories we're telling ourselves that are mostly unconscious? We carry them with us, so we might as well know what they are. And once we know what they are, we can feel so much more empowered to do something about them. From the inside out, transformation, real change, real results. That's what Dr. Heather Penny is about, and that's what we are all about. You know where to find us at bigselfschool.com, where we offer one-to-one coaching, as well as trainings and workshops for organizations big and small. Join us on the Burnout to Big Self Facebook group, where we cover it all. Here's to seeing you on our next episode of The Big Self Show.